All right, so back to Romans chapter 1. Everyone there? Let's dive right in. So the first half of this chapter, as we remember, if you read through it again or looked back at your handouts and the notes, it's just the, the introduction. Paul's wanting to introduce himself to this church in Rome, and why is he doing that? Why is Paul wanting to introduce himself to this church in Rome? Yeah. Paul's never been to Rome, right? He hasn't met these folks yet, but he's heard about them. He's heard a lot about them. Okay, so he's introducing himself, letting them know that he's a bondservant or a slave of Christ, um, that he's an apostle, God, that he was put here um, to, to teach certain people on this earth. Who are those people? Do we remember? Is Paul here teaching all the Jews about the gospel? Greeks and the Gentiles. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, and, he, who, and he, in this letter he's talking to, verse 6 says, um, whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. So he's talking to all those who know the name of Christ, who call on the name of Christ, uh, who are participating in this church in Rome. Any thoughts or questions on that first part, the introduction, basically 1 through 15? As you got your timeline there, um, I think we handed these out at the very beginning, but in case you don't have it still, I wanted uh, to hand that back out. Um, we can see there the author, obviously, is Paul. The, the time frame is probably around 57 AD. And remember, he was most likely writing this in Corinth at the time. Um, and then you can see the, the divisions of this letter and how it's split out and how we're, we're teaching through it. So um, we'll go up through some of that today. But good reference to look back to, to know who, when, and what he is talking about. So put that in your binder if you don't have that copy and hang on to that. It's, it's good to be able to look back and, and know those things. Okay, no, so no questions on the introduction. It, it seems pretty clear, pretty simple. We spent some time in there, a couple lessons going over that. Um, but if you think of something along the way, please speak up and feel free to, to write it down. You can ask it today or next Sunday if it comes to you later. We'll be here for, uh, for questions on both of that. Well, let's jump to verse 16 and 17 then. Those are pretty important. Can I have someone read those out loud? Thanks, Joseph. Okay, so Paul's proclaiming here that he's not ashamed of the gospel. Why isn't he ashamed of it? Yep, yep. The gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. 
It's the power of God for salvation to who? Everyone who believes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to, he, does, he does definitely acknowledge to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And he's working with the Greeks and uh, the barbarians, as he would say in verse 14. And I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, to both the wise and the foolish. So in that, he's, he's saying, you know, the Greeks think pretty highly of themselves, right? They're, they're very thoughtful and, and they, they think about um, things and, and they, they feel like they live pretty, pretty well or pretty morally or they think pretty highly of themselves. And then the barbarians are, are the rest of everyone else who um, just lives like peasants, right? But he's under obligation to both. So he, yeah, he's talking to all these folks um, and everyone who believes in God because that's, that's the power of God for that. And then in the gospel itself is the righteousness of God, which is revealed from faith to faith. It's been a while since we've gone over those, but do you guys have any thoughts, questions, comments? How has that affected your life after reading over those and studying them with the class? Anyway, it's applied to you directly in the past six or eight months? Okay, Steve. The uh, verse sixteen: For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. That that gets my mind going back to Columbine, Colorado, nineteen ninety nine. The kids that shot up the school, and the gunman came up with this one young girl. She just believed in Christ. And he put a gun to her head. He said, do you believe in God? And she said, yes. And he killed her. And uh, she was not ashamed. She, yeah, I believe in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was killed for it. Right. Yeah, that's some of that stuff that <laughs> that uh, Paul discusses in chapter 8, remember? We talked about some of that and um, what what's going to happen to those who believe in Christ. But Paul's not ashamed here um, because he knows it's, it's the power of God to, to bring people to Christ. And he is living for everything to, to share this gospel with, with all, right? And he's, he's got this huge desire that he just told the church in Rome that he wants to be there, he wants to um, teach them and grow fruit from them, but he also wants to be uh, encouraged by them and grow from them too. So um, Paul's given his heart here, he's, he's given um, the why he's doing it and, and the how it's going to happen and who it's going to. Um, at this point, I I imagine he's very excited to write this letter and he's just pouring his heart out to this church, this body of Christ that he's a part of and that we're a part of. Okay, then we get into verse 18 and that 
um, is a section in itself all the way through the end. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Anyone want to take a shot at summarizing the rest of that for us? If you've read through it and looked at it a couple times this past week. Anyone brave enough? Okay, good. So, um, does this explain to us uh, how God reveals Himself? Yeah, that would be how, how it starts right here in, in verses um, 19, 20. Yeah, he, he lines it out. Right, right. He's, he's pointing out that it is evident. It's made evident to, to all people, right? Um, God's made himself known with, with everything that is within the world. Um, his invisible attributes, it says, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. And then I underlined and highlighted so that they, and that they is a we, right, are without excuse. Okay, so there's, with God's wrath being revealed from heaven, there's the first, um, first part, first line in there that says so that they are without excuse because it's known to them, like you said, in, in their hearts. Uh, through creation itself, Joseph said, it's been made known to him of his existence, right? Not necessarily the gospel, but that he is there, that he is present and he is there. He is a designer. Let me get you a hand out here. Welcome, welcome. We're still on chapter one. Okay, and then um, as we go through the rest of this chapter, I circled a couple times where it says God gave them over. And I circled it three times. What does it say he gave them over to? Say it again. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Verse 24, where's the next one? 26, and what does it say? God gave them over to? Mm-hmm. Yep, and then it goes on with the list there. Verse 28 is the next one. He gave them over to what? Depraved minds. Okay, so for ignoring the fact that God even exists... Um, the, the natural world, and God's given them over to do what they want to do in their hearts and in their passions and in their minds. 
And then verse 32 always hits me hard, um, especially with the life that I lived um, prior to, to coming to this church, really. Um, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. It's a good place to keep ourselves in check, right? So we have a scenario. We've got a scenario for each chapter. If we have time, we'll go over them. If not, we'll, we'll skip them, but I'll have you guys think through them. So let's say this character, Bob, um, you're talking to him. He's your acquaintance, okay? You don't know him too well, but you guys are talking and getting to know each other. You say, oh, yeah, I go to Orchard Hills Bible Church, and um, he doesn't know what that is, but you guys are talking about faith and belief in God and stuff, and he says, uh, we shouldn't judge people. That's between them and God. What would you, what would you say to Mr. Bob? What can you use out of Romans chapter 1 in that conversation? Anything that you would pull out and point to? Could you, could you maybe explain how you would do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'd point to that too. If I'm going to use chapter 1 here in Romans, I think that would be uh, one, one way to do that. Uh, in gentle love, right? No one's going to listen if you're screaming at them, God's wrath is on... Well, they might listen, you know, if you scare them enough. That works for a small fraction of people. <laughs> I don't know about too many here in Utah, but... <laughs> Any other thoughts on that scenario? Mr. Howard? <laughs> a good helpful one for the class? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that idol factor is key. It goes over that, right? That they um, worshipped the creation rather than their creator. It says it right, right there in chapter one. So, okay, if you're having conversations with folks, yes. Yeah, that, that depends if there's ever a time in the future if they're going to believe on Christ, right? Because I felt given over in my lifetime like you felt given over for 50, 60 years, right? No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it will be for sure for those who never have faith in Christ. Absolutely. I think uh, judging people <clears throat> kind of like in Luke 18, you got the Pharisee, you got the tax collector. The Pharisee is just so full of pride in judging the tax collector. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to. I think we don't want to judge people coming from a God complex. But God is going to reveal to me what a what a mutant I am anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that's why I can't judge harshly, but I, I can judge the situation. That's not a good situation. And, you know, how people get into that situation, that, that's not a good situation. 
I feel better judging the situation, but I don't want to judge the person. I yeah. Don't know if that makes sense. We're definitely not in the seat of judgment, right? And we know that as we get ahead to chapter 3 for sure, it definitely makes it clear um, if, it, if it's not clear by chapter 2. Uh, but we're not the ones that, that are the ultimate judge, but God is. And if they don't know the Word of God, it's right here to reveal it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we need to know what is real judgment and what is just proclaiming a fact, right? Because we would be called, good morning. Just a couple of handouts for you guys. We would be called judging others just by stating what truth is, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's with God's certainty. So there's there a spectrum in all that. Mm-hmm. But, um, we are certainly called to judge sin, and, but not to absolve or condemn Right. And the person who you're talking to, their idea of judgment is probably different than our idea from each one of us in here. So um, be conscious of that. And instead of pointing to them or you or each other in that conversation about judging one another, it's not about us. It's about him judging, right? It's about him. So all you can do is give him the truth and you do it in love. And yeah, we, we need to be well aware of, of sin and what it causes in people's lives and not encourage it. Please don't encourage it. The word uh, explicitly tells us not to. Um, but their, their idea and definition of sin is going to be our uh, judgment probably going to be different than, than what God's is. And God's is the only opinion that matters in that regard. We do want to be loving to them. And as they have breath, we, we want to continue sh- having that opportunity to share with them. Great. Okay, good conversation. We need to keep moving here. Well, let's jump into chapter 2. Verses 1 through 16, God's impartial judgment on all people, moral and immoral. Paul starts off immediately saying, Therefore you, you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Ouch, right? Okay, so who's he talking to here? You. (laughs) Who's the you? You. Well, remember back in 14, um, where he's, he's explaining who he's under obligation to, Greeks and barbarians. Um, it seems like the second half of chapter 1 is, is pointing to barbarians. Um, this, this part, chapter 2, possibly be pointing towards the Greeks, who think very, very highly of themselves. Um, those who are 
very, I mean, assuredly, they're part of this church. Uh, and, and Paul's giving them this letter of Romans uh, to the Romans uh, for a reason, to, to line them out. But he's definitely calling those out who think of themselves as uh, on the moral high ground, right? To look down at the rest and say, oh, look at those degrading things they're doing to themselves. We're so much better than them. But, but they're living a life uh, that is in hypocrisy with what they do. Important verses down uh, 4 or 5. Paul tells them, Or do you not think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. What do you think? Class? Is, it, is he addressing believers, unbelievers? Mike says yes, both. Anyone else got other thoughts or opinions on that? Because of the stubbornness and unrepentant heart. What do we get in pretty much the churches that we're aware of, obviously besides this church, but uh, the churches in America, are they all, 100% of them that go, are they all saved and, and righteous and cleansed by the blood of Christ? But do they go and participate still? Do they call, or they say they call in the name of Christ? Um, there's definitely those among the truly saved that are participating in some of the things that the church is doing. And, and this letter is instructional, right? They are to use this information to go preach and teach the rest of their fellow neighbors around them. Question? What do you think? Is a believer going to have an unrepentant heart and storing up wrath for themselves in the day of revelation and righteous of God's judgment? Okay, so who's it for? Yeah, that's a good point. The whole point of Paul's argument in chapters 1 through 3 is to show that people are unsaved. Mm -hmm. He's not looking to assure believers he's saved and condemn the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so moving past verse 5, um, on to a couple, couple more that are important we need to remember in. For chapter 2, um, Paul kind of bounces back and forth between 
um, the saved and the unsaved in here. Uh, but uh, verse 11, um, pretty important. Paul states, for there is no partiality with God. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. It's not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law who are justified. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves, and that they show the work of the law written in their hearts. Remember, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. Remember that part there? So that takes us to the scenario I got on the, your sheet there. When Bob asks you, what about the people in anywhere, right? Just throwing a, a place there, South America or, or Africa or just, you know, in Nephi, right? <laughs> um, that have never been told the gospel. What about them? You know, are they still going to hell? What do you say to that? And how do you use Romans to, to support your <laughs> uh-huh yeah right because it's placed in their heart well yeah that that comes up um in conversations with folks a lot from believers and non-believers so um try to implant in your mind that that yeah, you can find answers to these questions, Romans chapter 1 and 2, when those come up. And it's good to point them there uh, instead of you being the authority and telling them that God's Word is the authority. And we use that to, to show it to them. Okay, any questions on that first half of the chapter? There's a lot there. Um, there's a lot in all of these chapters. So we're just skimming through and going over some of the points. If you all have... What's the answer to what? What do you think the answer is? He just said it. Renee just said it, and Joseph just said it. Oh, I can't hear him. Verse 20. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yes. <laughs> okay. Great discussion. Okay, we got to keep moving. Are we good there? Okay. Uh, second half of chapter two. Um, I'm referring to our handout. It was a really good handout that we had. Um, <clears throat> circumcision, its importance. So. In our handout here, we have uh, Romans 1, 18 through 2, 16. It's primary spokenly, primarily spoken to the Gentiles. Um, God has revealed himself through nature to the Gentiles. Uh, but in Romans 2, 17 through 3, 20, it's spoken primarily to the Jews. God has revealed himself to the Jews by a special revelation of the law. Um, and Paul's talking to the Jews rely on the law, and they boast in God. Uh, they know his will. They approve, or he approves what is essential, and, and it's instructed out, out of the law. Um, and 19 through 20 goes over who they think they are. The Jewish people thought they were spiritually superior teachers because of the law in 19 through, through 20 there. 21 through 24 is the hypocrisy of, of the Jews, you know, Paul calls him out and asks him, do you steal? Do you commit adultery? Do you abhor idols or rob temples? Dishonor God by breaking the law of God. And God's name is blasphemed because of the Jews and the rest of the world, right? Because of the way that they're living. And then Paul finishes out with their disobedience. Um, that circumcision is an act of obedience. And Paul is speaking to the heart of the circumcision, not merely the physical uh, salvation is from God, not the external efforts uh, to conform to the law there. 
So it's, it's definitely of value, and it is, is important for the Jew, um, as long as they're, they're practicing the law and their heart is bent towards God, but those who aren't, that are yet still circumcised, um, it, really, it really isn't doing them any good. Doesn't apply to us in here as we don't have any Jewish blood. Joe has some, right? But she's not here today. <laughs> any questions on the end of chapter 2? Okay, let's move into 3. Chapter 3's got quite a bit. All the world is guilty as charged. Um, but Paul starts off still speaking to the Jew. What advantage has the Jew? Uh, because if it's not circumcision in itself, then what is it, right? Uh, but they are entrusted with the oracles of God, the commands of God, the word of God. They are entrusted with that. Um, then he starts asking rhetorical questions. If, so if they didn't believe, uh, will it nullify the faithfulness of God? And again, Paul, Paul says, may it never be. Uh, but rather let God be found true and every man be found a liar. Verse 4, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. Okay. Verse 5, also important. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? The God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous, is he? Paul says he's not speaking in human terms. He says, may it never be, for otherwise, how will God judge the world? And then verse 7, but if through my lie the truth of God abounded to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? And then he says that some are slanderously reporting that they're telling others to do evil so that good may come. And he states that their condemnation is just. But verse 9 says, what then? Are we better than they? And we need to ask ourselves this, are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Right? Paul took Paul took some time to get here to list out all the different types of people that are in our world and how they live and um, what their moral standard is on their own. Uh, he, he's, he's stating that all are under sin. None are better. Um, and then he goes on to our important verses here in 10 through 20. Can I get someone to read those out loud for us? Please. Go for it. 10 to 20, yep. Thank you. 
Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so how many are righteous? Not even one? So how many understand? Okay, how many seek for God? Okay, how many have turned aside? Okay, how many do good? Okay, I think you're getting it here. Not even one? Question mark? No? Okay. Just making sure we all get that. And verse 18? Why? Mm-hmm. No fear of God before their eyes. Isn't that where wisdom and knowledge start? It does for us. It does for the believer. Okay. So... For whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may be, become accountable to God. So what does that mean, that, that the mouth may be closed? Who has no excuse? Okay. Who's the law given to? Okay, so why would they need to close their mouths? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they thought they were justified just being Jews. Through, through what? What act? Oh. Through birth? And, and what work of man? Eight days later, what happens to the Jews? Yeah, right? They thought, hey, that's it, right? I'm good. So they live the life they want to live. They know there's a law, but... They're good because they're, they're circumcised. A lot of them thought that way. Okay. They selectively chose, yeah. I'll do these 10, you do those 10. Together combined, we'll, we'll cover them, right? <laughs> okay, so what's the point of the law? The very end of verse 20. Through the law comes knowledge of sin, right? And... Boy, does it bring the knowledge of sin. Okay, 21 through the end. Um, so verse 21 starts, Now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. Right? 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's that all again. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And Paul goes on to say, who God displayed publicly as the propitiation in his blood through what? Faith. Through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because... In the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Okay, um, so we see those as some of the key verses in this section. Why did Paul take so long? If we're, you know, mid-chapter 3, of course, there wasn't chapters in the letter, right? It was just a letter. It was one letter, but if you're reading this from the beginning till now, why did he wait so long to hit on um, verse 24 there? 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 22? Um, no, verse 20. 20, yeah. We don't even know we're sinners. We, you're just fine. Yeah. We have to come to what's right and what's wrong. And a lot of things, yeah. And those without the law... They, they still have a law within their heart in verse or chapter 2, right? Some of those things are, are written on their heart. Mm-hmm. We know the, the difference between right and wrong for basic moral stuff. But the more we do wrong, the easier it makes it to do the wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, we do definitely do that. Yeah, he, he definitely wanted to make and take some time to make it clear that, that all fall under this condemnation, no matter who they are, where they are, or, or what part of the world they live in or what they believe, right? Um, verse 23 is explicit in that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, he's using this to say where then, okay, if this is a gift, this is by God's doing, it's his righteousness. Um, he put up with us. Um, he would be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then he jumps into 27 there. Where then is boasting? Is it excluded? And by what kind of law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we maintain that man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And it's for the Jews and the Gentiles also. It's for all. Since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. Okay. Well, aren't we happy to know in verse 29 there that this isn't only for the Jew? Should be pretty, pretty excited about that. What's that? <laughs> it would be a pretty limited number of people just for the Jew. All right, how are we doing on time? We're cutting it close. Any questions in chapter 3? <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> he could have just shown us his wrath, yeah. right? The whole world. But to show us his, his righteousness and his love. Yeah. Yeah, very important. It's huge. That's life-changing. That's God's love poured out upon all. All. And a saving love upon those who believe in Christ. 
So verse 27 again, just that's got to that's got to sink in about boasting. It's not it's nothing that we've done. That's why he waited to get to uh, this part in chapter three till now to cover everything before this to make sure that we all understand this is all on God and it's all His good and it's nothing that any of us have done or anyone who's saved will do. It's it's all God and it's to display His righteousness and. Um, if we're going to boast, we need to boast in what Paul boasts in, right? Paul boasts in the gospel, which is all about God's gracious love to us and not anything that we've done, but it's all him. Okay, anything left in three that you guys want to discuss? Next week we can go over more if you guys come up with questions, thoughts, or answers. Well, I wasn't having time for that. <laughs> what about Bob, who's seeking God on his own and doesn't need the Bible? <laughs> Can he do it? Is he seeking God really? If someone says that because they're trying to just kind of get you to back off, what are they doing? I mean, why, why are they saying that? And who are they really seeking or what are they really seeking? Which is probably themselves. Yeah. Yep. So read those conversations as best you can. Um, share the truth and love and uh, move on if they're pushing you away. Okay, chapter four. We got to do it. Say, okay, we're transitioning from sinfulness of man to the working of salvation. So verses one through six ex explains what works are earned and the salvation is not earned. So what shall we say? that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor. Got to remember that. It, but what was due, but as what is due. Sorry. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. Remember, we just talked about that up in verse 25. Um, his faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessings on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. So it's, he's going into how salvation works. We transition out of the sinfulness of man somewhat and are looking at how people are saved. And it is through faith, through God's righteousness, and belief in that righteousness. So after some of David's quotes in there, uh, Paul asks, How then was it credited while he was circumcised or uncircumcised to Abraham? Not while circumcised, but uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. So again, circumcision isn't the saving factor because that righteousness was credited 
to the forefather, Abraham, before he was circumcised. It's a seal. It's a sign. Okay, verse 14, For if those who are under the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise is nullified. For the law brings about wrath. But where there is no law, there is also no violation. For this reason it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace. And it's not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. What does that mean, the father of us all? Why is he saying he's the father of us all? Isn't God the father of us all? Why? Who is the first to call him the father of many? Oh, yeah, God. Was his name always Abraham? Abram? And then it changed? Why? Remember why it changed? He was called the father of many as Abram, right, Jeremy? And then it changed to Abraham? Okay, yeah. Please. Be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed through him. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham who believes. So just as Abraham's called in scripture uh, as. the father of us all um, doesn't mean the literal father, but he was the first to have faith, right? Just like Christ is called the firstborn among many brethren, is he the first, firstborn in creation? Like, was he the first created? No, that's not what that means, right? It's his position uh, among those who are saved. So, yeah, doesn't mean the literal father, but he was the first to have uh, faith in, in God and okay right there you go Genesis what was it 17 4 and 5 if you're writing notes down okay good well verses 23 24 25 also 
very important. Um, Because Paul states not only for his sake, Abraham's, was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. So important to note there that that Paul's stating that it's for us, right? It's for us to continue learning and growing, knowing God's goodness and kindness, just as we have now the letter of Romans. Um, you know, they had that written before as well. And we have more now than, than they had when they were growing, when they were learning, as, as it comes to written Scripture, right? Um, I think Jeremy went over that in one of his sermons recently, that where we're sitting now, or maybe it was a Wednesday night, Wednesday night with First Peter, where all of this that we have, think of all everyone in this, this book that didn't have this, right? Maybe they had the Pentateuch. Maybe they had um, some of the Old Testament, some of the letters, but they didn't have everything that we have to see it all come together and put together. Um, so Revelation continued through the writing of Scripture. So it's great. And Paul's stating again that this is also for us so that we know about it. Okay, last scenario. Bob says, his good works will outweigh his sin. What do you say to Bob? See you later. (laughs) Sounds like God gave you over to a depraved mind, huh? Okay. Yeah, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So that there's no boasting, right? Yeah, Bob needs to know that stuff. Bob needs to know uh, your heart cares for him and loves him, um, but he needs to know truth too. So, <laughs> Next week, I think we chose... Su- what was the other name we were going to use? Susan. Is there Susans in here? We got a Susan. Okay, no Susan's great. We'll use Susan. <laughs> okay, well, that gives us, uh, that, that's time. So if you have more questions, bring them next week. Please write questions down. If we have to go back to the first four chapters, we will. Um, we can always answer questions as we teach further down. Uh, we're happy to, but thank you for that. And uh, we'll close in prayer. Lord, we thank you again for this time together and thank you for this class and their participation just that the hearts are open and the minds are are spinning and working and that you're doing the work in us that your truth is being revealed through your righteousness and uh, you're allowing us to just understand more and more each time that we look into it together thank you for your blessings and your grace and your mercy and i pray for the rest of the day today that we can honor you in all that we say and think and do as a body, in your name, amen.